Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Scott Detrow. I cover the Biden transition. And today we are talking about what tech policy could look like under Joe Biden. It's part of a series of big picture conversations we're going to have over the next week or so talking about what things might look like next year after January 20th when there's a Biden administration. Today we've got Shannon Bond and Bobby Allen from NPR's tech team here. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, Scott. So let's let's start with how things are going right now, despite the fact that there are a lot of arguments to be made that he'd never be president without Twitter and Facebook. President Trump has really kind of soured on big tech lately. How has that affected the landscape in D.C.? You know, this this Trump's unhappiness with uh, with the big tech companies, you know, actually kind of well predates, you know, even the most recent uproar over the election and and you know his claims that he was robbed in some way. I mean, he was going after Twitter and Facebook way back this spring, um, you know, talking about how they allegedly censor conservatives and and issuing his first threats to strip them of legal immunity. And that was around when the social media companies started labeling his tweet. You know, I think Twitter went first, right? They labeled tweets of his um, about uh protests related to, to George Floyd's death. And then, you know, they've also sort of moved more aggressively to label misinformation about COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And Trump got swept up in that. Um, but it's definitely been a love-hate relationship because, as you say, he's also like really dependent on these platforms. He loves using these platforms to communicate. I think it's a lot less likely that Joe Biden is going to be censored by Twitter than Donald Trump just based on the types of things he tweets about. But uh the Biden administration, there are so many things right now in a lot of areas where a lot of a lot of Obama-era people are coming back, a lot of Obama-era policies are coming back. Fair to say that tech is not going to be one of these areas? Because I'm just thinking of how much the, the relationship between the Democratic Party, between Washington, D.C. and big tech has changed over the last four years. Yeah, no, I think I think that's definitely true. I mean, a lot of people when when they're talking about what tech is going to look like under Biden like to look back at the Obama administration, which, you know, pretty famously had a cozy relationship with tech and tech executives and like to advance policy that Silicon Valley was very happy about. And I actually think there's a fair amount of consistency in terms of the big picture themes, the details and the disputes are going to be very different. But the big picture Mm -hmm. themes of being tough on tech and uh, not giving them an easy time and, uh, you know, just coming after them pretty hard and trying to rein in their incredible power. Um, You saw some of that, um, you know, during the Trump administration. And we're actually going to see in a number of policy areas, some of that continued uh, when Biden's in the White House. Yeah, I would say, I mean, and I think one of the things that has happened under Trump is that so much, like with everything with Trump, so much of the conversation has been dominated by him. Mm-hmm. But um, that's almost like overshadowed the fact that, you know, the concerns that that regulators and politicians have about these big Silicon Valley giants these days really are bipartisan. I mean, you saw that this summer, the, the House, you know, had done this long antitrust investigation into the biggest tech companies, into Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon. And, you know, it was House Democrats who released the report, you know, saying that they are all monopolies and compete unfairly. Um, You know, you have people like Elizabeth Warren, who have for a long time been calling to, you know, break up Facebook. Um, And so even though all the light and noise around this has come from Trump, um, that actually doesn't mean that that Democrats aren't very eager um, to sort of show that they're challenging these, you know, West Coast barons. Yeah. And on that point, could 
could you guys just give us a big picture overview of the various lawsuits and 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 big investigations that are out there and would would still be going on on the 20th when when the Biden folks move in? Right. So there's uh, a bunch related to antitrust, to competition law, mm-hmm. right? So and the the big targets that so far there are Google and Facebook. So there are three big lawsuits against Google, um, which are you know both federal, the D- Department of Justice, but also these state lawsuits. The state attorneys general have been very active in investigating the tech companies, and you know I think when the DOJ filed their lawsuit, you know there was some question of you know is this politically motivated? You know does this continue? But the fact that the state AGs are involved, all the experts say. You know, that that is an indication that, you know, the pressure will continue and these lawsuits will almost certainly go forward. Um, Similarly, uh, the Federal Trade Commission and a group of AGs have sued Facebook um, and are seeking to break it up. And again, that seems like something that will will continue well beyond the the transition and and the change of administration. Um, Plus, there are ongoing investigations of companies like Amazon and Apple that, you know, haven't even yet resulted in, in lawsuits and may not. But, you know, I don't think there's any indication to expect like a Biden-led um, FTC or DOJ to be any less aggressive in looking at these companies. And the tech companies absolutely have been anticipating this for some time, you know, with sort of muscling up their lobbying presence in Washington and, and even the way that they handled uh, disinformation, trying to curb it um, ahead of the presidential election was just such a 180 from 2016. And now when it comes yeah. to some, you know, regulatory areas, um, unlike before when they sort of, you know, fought vigorously any kind of move to regulate the industry, now they're more open to sort of more moderate uh, regulations. Yeah, I think they see it's that it's inevitable. So given all of this, I'm curious what the mood is like in Silicon Valley, uh, in and around uh, the tech giants about this change in leadership that's about to happen. Is it ambivalence? Is it is it, um, you know, relief? Is it concern? I think that varies a bit company to company. Um, you know, I think that, you know, I think that they deal with the administration they have. And so, of course, they're always going to try to you know make these relationships. I mean, you saw that with Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg had dinner with Donald Trump. Um, you know, they they mm-hmm. within several of these companies, there are high high ranking, you know, former Republican officials, you know, just as there are high ranking former Democrats. But I think you I think, as as Bobby said, you've sort of seen the way they have sort of been willing to take a more aggressive approach, you know, particularly Facebook and Twitter, about misinformation, about kind of, you know, saying, yes, there are actually limits to what people can say online, you know, indicates that I think that maybe they feel that they have a bit more backing to do that. Like if they do that, they aren't necessarily going to be targeted the way they've been targeted by by Trump. Yeah. And, and I think on some of the really um, sort of hot button tech policy issues, tech doesn't think they don't think they're going to catch a break. I mean, when it comes to China, uh, you know, Biden's going to be tough on China, not in the same way that that Trump was, you know, by singling out a single app like TikTok. But there's going to be some consistency there. You know, the the future of the, of the gig economy is going to become a, a target in the Biden administration, most likely. Um, and you know, there's just a number of ways where the theme of just cracking down on this industry is just really going to be ramped up. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep walking through some of the specific policy areas where where the way that DC views tech could change. This message comes from NPR sponsor AT&T. There's a lot that's different about this school year, but one thing that hasn't changed is AT&T's commitment to education. They're focused on keeping students and teachers connected to learning. It's why AT&T has connected over 200 million students with tools and technology for distance learning. Learn more at att.com slash remote learning. 
I'm Guy Raz, and on NPR's How I Built This, how Tim Ferriss, as an entrepreneur, author, investor, and podcaster, turned himself into a multi-million dollar brand. Subscribe or listen now. And we're back and, and zooming out a little bit. One of the things that, that has gotten a lot of attention over the last few years was, was the way that the Trump administration cracked down on legal immigration had really affected uh, technology firms. We're expecting the Biden administration to take a much different approach to immigration. Any sense yet of how that could play out in these companies? Yeah, I mean, this is an area of big concern for a lot of these tech companies, right? Because they hire so many um, high-skilled visa workers, like people on H-1B visas. Like, the tech companies are among the biggest users of those. Um, and they say, you know, it's because, you know, they want to get the most skilled people from all over the world. Uh, the Trump administration had, to, you know, tried to restrict those visas. That's been blocked by the courts. But, you know, we're you're still seeing the last gasp of this. The, the Department of Justice has sued Facebook over the way um, it has used these visas and accusing it of discrimination discriminating against Americans in hiring. Um, so I think they'll be very eager to see how the Biden administration views, you know, immigration and views these issues because they see it, you know, the tech companies see this as an absolute like life or death issue for them about being able to recruit the most talented engineers, especially, you know, from all over the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean there's a, a statistic out there that, you know, foreign born workers represent like 60 percent of uh, folks who are in, you know, the the, the tech sphere by and large. So um, I, I really think that a lot of these companies are, um, you know, breathing a sigh of relief because, you know, finally the, the pipeline for foreign born workers, uh, you know, is, is finally going to be open again. Let's talk about TikTok for a moment. I'm going to admit I'm not as up to speed on it as, as other people. So I'd say the three big things that I know were the ocean spray situation, <laughs> that they somehow forced a Ratatouille musical, which I'm, I'm pro, and also the fact that, that the Trump administration really tried to crack down on it and even ban it from, from the U.S. So what, what is the state of things and, and what could change when we have a new president? Yeah. So Trump launched this pretty extraordinary effort to marshal the powers of the federal government to shut down a private company operating in the U.S. That doesn't happen every day. Um, and Trump's central claim here has been that TikTok's parent company, this Chinese tech giant ByteDance, could be using the app to spy on Americans. The problem is that in duking this out in court, the Trump administration never offered solid evidence. Um, there is one federal judge who looked at all of the government's evidence and said, the national security threat here is, quote, raised in the hypothetical, and the judge blocked it from taking effect. Other judges have done the same thing. So I guess it's the TikTok ban that never happened. Um, mm -hmm. But in the meantime, there are talks happening behind closed doors about bringing in more American ownership of the app to ensure that there is a firewall between China. But it's a complicated negotiation, and uh, we just don't know where things are going to land. One thing that's really worth pointing out here, though, is that while Trump's intense focus on TikTok may look almost random, like he was singling out just one particular app, um, it really does highlight um, bipartisan concerns over Chinese investment in tech companies that become popular in the U.S. Um, you know, there are a host of uh, data privacy and national security issues that experts on both sides of the aisle say are legitimate and worthy of suspicion. And that overall skepticism about the rise of China is not going away in the Biden administration. So just add that to one of the many, many areas of possible tension with China that, that the Biden administration is going to be navigating. So Shannon, 
let's let's end with this. There are so many different areas where where regulation could change, where people have been talking about shifting, you know, the way that we deal with ride share, the way that the country deals with the ongoing question of how much responsibility social network sites have for their content, so many different other places. What are like two or three big areas that you're really um, paying attention to to how the Biden administration navigates them? Yeah, I think you just actually named a couple of them. So certainly the gig economy, right? So here in California, Uber and Lyft um, funded this really successful campaign uh, to uh, get voters to approve, basically approve their business model, which says, you know, they don't treat their drivers as employees. They, they Their drivers are have been treated as independent contractors. And so that means they don't get a bunch of benefits. Now, this this law that they passed here in California does extend drivers some limited benefits um, and like and essentially a, a version of a minimum wage, but without the sort of full employment rights. Um, obviously, labor groups have not been happy about this, but the gig companies like Uber, Lyft, but also DoorDash and you know some of these delivery companies have been very emboldened and they've talked about taking this campaign national, so taking it to other states. And, you know, I, I, I don't think it's out of the question that you could also see a more like a federal push for this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you mentioned, um, you know, this this issue over content moderation. So, you know, as we said at the beginning, you know, one of the one of the real flashpoints that Trump has had with these tech companies, particularly Facebook and Twitter, has been over this, you know, once arcane section of law or area of law called Section 230, um, which basically allows the big platforms, but frankly, any anybody who hosts comment online, anyone who, you know, lets people post things on their website. So this, you know, applies from Facebook and Twitter to Reddit. Um, it gives them, um, you know, freedom freedom from being sued for what users post. So I can't sue Twitter so because Bobby says something mean about me on Twitter. Um, which I do regularly. You can block so, him. Which he does, I'm, you know, I'm, all so the I'm, time, <laughs> which is really frustrating. But um, so so Trump had, you know, in his in his fight with the companies, Trump had been has threatened to take this away. I mean, he most recently tried to tie repealing this to authorizing defense spending. Um, he has been shot down. Um, but just because Trump is going to be gone actually doesn't mean this whole conversation about Section 230 and and broadly, you know, wh- how much responsibility these companies should have for, for what is on their platform is going to go away. Because, in fact, Democrats are very interested in, in rethinking this law. I mean, I think there's a broad consensus that the law is fairly outdated. It gets very wonky very quickly, very legalistic, but it's pretty important because it's literally like what we're allowed to say on the Internet. All right. Well, Shannon, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to us about all of this. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. And it's Christmas Eve. If you're celebrating the holiday, I hope you can have some sort of reflection and peace and family time tonight, even if it's in a 2020 Zoom sort of way. And if that distance has you down, please know that it is going to be a lot better next holiday season. It really is. We'll be back in your feeds, keeping you company tomorrow, just like we are every weekday. I'm Scott Detrow. Thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast.